Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Morning, church. Morning. Join me, please, in your Bibles on your handhelds. There's Bibles in the pews. In John chapter 18, I appreciated Pastor Steve leading us through the 23rd Psalm earlier in the service. One of the great images of the 23rd Psalm is the valley of the shadow of death. And this night in the life of Jesus certainly qualifies. It's the night of the arrest, of the trial, uh, betrayal that leads to the cross on what we now call Good Friday. I'll begin reading in verse 12 of chapter 18. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who, in fact, had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've openly spoken to the world, (laughs) Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they will know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials standing nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it again, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had just cut off that Jesus had just healed, 
challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. This account is in all four of the Gospels. These events now of the garden, of this night, of course the next morning before Pilate and the Roman officials leading into the cross are in all four Gospels, but there are different details that we glean from each of the four Gospel writers. Matthew, and I want to dig deep into this account of Peter's denial. Matthew tells us this. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where, and I'll point out why I highlighted a few of these words in a moment, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. These were unique days in the time of Christ. Uh, Sixty, seventy years earlier, the Romans had occupied this area of Israel. They had annexed it, in essence. And so, Israel, the land of Israel, was now a a vassal state, a, a part of the Roman Empire, and as such, there was Roman authority. We'll see that as we move forward in the weeks to come, where Pilate is the Roman governor over this area. But there also existed... The Jewish nation, the nation of the Jewish people, that the Romans, even though they were occupying and and over the area, they allowed them to operate in some of their systems, their government, the way that they had been living in the area for hundreds of years. And the nation and the religion, the the state and the church really came together under Caiaphas or the role of the high priest as well as this council called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was basically the Supreme Court, been in the news a lot lately, the Supreme Court of the, the nation of Israel ruled by the chief priest, the high priest rather. The Sanhedrin was a group of 70 men that functioned on this high court. Typically, this group would meet in the temple grounds where there was a place called the Court of the Hewn Stone, and it was this semi-circle where these 70 uh, senators, if you will, Sanhedrin priests would, uh, would sit and Uh, bring about judgments, and these were things were brought before. It was the Supreme Court, really. And Caiaphas was over them that year. But I highlighted this word, where, because Jesus has brought this night to Caiaphas, and it is at 
the place of Caiaphas or the high priest palace, if you will, the, the, the home of Caiaphas, which I believe was far more than just a private home. It was a, a compound that would have had in it even enough space for, um, for the whole Sanhedrin to gather. Must have been a hall there where they could all come together, and this night, witnesses were called forward. Mark, Mark gives us very much the same account. Matthew and Mark are quite often very similar, but we do see that all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together this night. The whole Sanhedrin was there, as well as many who were brought in to testify against Jesus. What I want you to see in looking at Matthew and Mark is there are a lot of people there this, this night, and it's late. It's after midnight. 12, 1, 2 a.m. Many people are coming in, and this is a trial that is, that is fashioned this night in a hurry. Luke says, then seizing him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. So just to see it again, this is not in the court of hewn stone at the temple. This is there in the compound of Caiaphas. And uh, there's a courtyard that is part, very much a part of this story. And Peter is there in the courtyard. Just to put it on a map, we, uh, we know that Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane. He is then taken to the house of the high priest, which is right beside, right near the upper room. We'll see later on that Jesus is then led from the house of the high priest, which is where the events tonight take place. He's going to be taken to the Roman headquarters up here at the Antonia Fortress. Luke tells us that Jesus will then be sent over to Herod Antipas uh, the next morning for a brief trial, if you will, and then sent back to the Antonia Fortress. But we are here at the house of the high priest. John 18, 12, then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and Jewish officials arrested Jesus, bound him and brought him, though first, John gives us this eyewitness detail, first to Annas. And this is what I want to help us understand. Annas was actually the kind of the, the godfather, if you will, of all the high priests. Annas had been the high priest 15 years earlier. And he, over the next 30, 40 years, had five of his sons and one grandson sit in the capacity of the high priest. Annas lived in the compound there, I believe, the compound of the high priest, the palace of the high priest, and in many ways functioned as the high priest, although he was not the high priest that given year. Jesus is first brought there to Annas, we are told in John. Why Annas first? Well, I think several reasons. First of all, to buy some time for the entire assembly of the Sanhedrin to gather in the middle of the night. This was going to take a little bit to gather all 70 of these men, plus other rulers, plus witnesses that were assembled. I think Jesus was first taken to Annas to buy a little time. Second of all, even though Annas wasn't acting as the high, the acting high priest, he was considered the power behind the throne. So he's taken first there, and this was an informal hearing. It wasn't the official hearing where witnesses are brought. Back to John 18, verse 15. Simon Peter 
And another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty. I've highlighted here three phrases. Another disciple, this disciple, and the other disciple. It's very interesting because in John's gospel, he never identifies himself by name. He's always this other disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved. We see back in the upper room in chapter 13 or on the cross when Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved was standing nearby. Later from the cross, verse 35, one of the disciples pierced Jesus' side with a spear bringing a flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. The man who saw it. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, John 21, was following. This was the one who had leaned against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? So we see clearly throughout John, the gospel, that John doesn't call himself by name, but over and over again, we see that this is, in fact, John. Simon, Peter, and John were there following because John was known to the high priest. That's a very interesting highlight here. Known to the high priest, known to the high priest. You know, some have said, well, it couldn't have been John. How could a mere fisherman from Galilee know and have connections in the high priest's family? Well, I believe he did. We don't know exactly how. Some have suspected that John's family would have sold fish to the high priest's family. I can tell you this, John was a very learned man. He wrote one of the most amazing documents in the history of the world, the gospel. John would have likely studied at some point, I would say, even in Jerusalem. He was known. He had connections. And so John then is coming to this house of the high priest, but the focus now shifts to Peter. Simon, Peter, and John were following Jesus because John was known to the high priest. Peter had to wait outside the door. And a servant girl on duty there brought Peter in. So Peter and John are then following along in the darkness of night, and they come to the compound of the high priest. And I want to ask this question. What was Peter thinking? Why did he take this risk? It's a massive risk. To be there in the compound of the high priest, to even want into the courtyard. Well, I also want to point out to to you the fact that Peter has had a very bad night, okay, already, up to this point. Back in the upper room, chapter 13, verses 6 down to 11, Jesus came to Simon Peter. Jesus was washing all the disciples' feet, and Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll... No, Peter said, you'll never wash my feet, Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then, Lord, Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands as well. Jesus said, those who have to, you know, take a bath, but I'm I'm doing this so that you would be clean. 
for he knew who was going to betray him. I just want you to see that because up in the upper room, thing, you know, Peter's like, stop it. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to stop it. And then a little later on that night, 31, where Peter, uh, down 31, down all the way to 38, where uh, Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow me, but you'll follow later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus said, will you really, truly, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Bam. And then in chapter 18, verses 8 through 11, we saw the account of last week of Peter literally trying to strike out and cutting off the, the, the ear of Malchus from the high priest's family. And Jesus has to heal his ear. All of that simply to say that he's had a bad night. Peter couldn't do anything right this night. But I will say this. I think when we start to get into motive, he could set things right. I think this is what's going on inside his mind. He wants to set things right. Then the trial before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin required witnesses, okay? Back to Mark, Mark's account. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him. Here's what I think. I think Peter's had a bad night. Peter's already declared, I'm going to die for you. He's already shown the willingness to take out the sword. Now Jesus is being led through the darkness to Caiaphas' house, and Peter knows the drill. Jesus is actually not allowed even to give testimony for himself. There have to be witnesses. What if Peter was kind of here going big? What if he was thinking of testifying? After all, in a Jewish trial, it's only the testimony of witnesses that carry any weight. The accused has no voice. This reality actually speaks to why Jesus responded to Annas the way he did, right? Annas begins to question him. Well, Jesus knows that his testimony bears no weight. Why question me, Jesus says, John 18. Those who heard me, ask them. Surely they know what I said. Ask those who heard me. Jesus knows that his testimony isn't even valid. Annas is trying to set a trap. You see, I believe Peter has it in his mind to make good on his promise, right? Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. This is what I want us to get inside of Peter's head on. I think he's walking into that courtyard, even willing to lay down his life to be a witness for Jesus. Think that. I think he's in there with with big ideas. He's going to go big, and he he has it in his mind that he's going to walk into that Sanhedrin and make a stand and tell the world about Jesus. And then, and then what happens? Chapter 18, verse 16. The other disciples, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. 
You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Who's speaking to Peter? Servant girl. Servant girl. You know, all four accounts are very specific on this account. John, of course, but then Matthew. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. While Peter in Mark was, was below the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. In Luke, a servant girl saw him and testified, saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely and said, this man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. You start to see something very important in this account. What happens, okay, if a servant girl blows his cover? Seriously, what happens? Right there at the gate, at the doorway. What happens if a servant girl blows his cover? Well, in my mind, that would equal, equal failure number four that night. Failure number four, you see, Peter had bigger fish to fry that night, and this is just a servant girl. I'm going to ask, do you think Peter even considered this a denial? <laughs> he had to stay. He had to be there for Jesus, and, and, and yet one little lie leads to another. Verse 25, meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. You know, we don't see this in John's account. They asked him, but guess what? You know who the they is in the second denial? Matthew 26 tells us, another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Hmm. And yet again, a third time, verses 26 and 27, one of the high priests, what? Servants. A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. I truly believe, as I've gotten into this text in a very deep way this week, I truly believe that in Peter's mind, he was fully justifying telling a few little lies. After all, in all three accounts, these were who? Just servants. And then in verse 24. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As I picture for you, I believe it's in the same compound. Jesus is now going from the office of Annas through the courtyard and into the hall where by this time 70 Sanhedrin senators had gathered and other false witnesses had gathered. Luke now gives us a very interesting detail about these moments. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words 
that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. There's three things I want us to see. First of all, you guys, (laughs) Peter loved Jesus. He loved him. He loved him more than we can even probably put into words. He loved Jesus, and I believe he was in that courtyard that night to literally give his life, and he was not going to be deterred by a servant girl checking him at the door. No way. Peter loved Jesus. Second of all, I believe Peter had good intentions. He had good intentions that night. Otherwise, he wouldn't have even been in that courtyard because all of the other disciples scattered into the darkness, fleeing for their lives. But not Peter and John. They were, they were right there, and there is no doubt in my mind Peter is there, thinking perhaps he can give testimony. But you know the third thing we see in this story, this account? It's the little things, isn't it? his mind, in Peter's mind. Like I said earlier, I don't even know if he viewed what he had just done as a denial. (laughs) I'm sure he was justifying it on all three accounts. But you know what, church? It's the little things. In our lives, in my life, And in your life, if there's one thing I want us to take from this sermon, as I sat on this message this week, it is the little things in our lives that add up and add up and add up. It's the little things, the little decisions that we just look over and think, ah, that's no big deal. Hmm. We can't begin to imagine how devastated Peter was. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're told that he went outside and wept bitterly. He broke down and wept. Peter went out into the darkness that night absolutely devastated and broken. But I have good news. (laughs) Because by the time we get to the end of John, the 21st chapter of John, in fact, is basically dedicated to Jesus asking one question. Peter, do you love me? He asked it three times. Peter, do you love me? And the question for us today, really, the question Jesus is asking us today, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I want us to feel the burden, the sorrow, the grief. I really do. I want us to feel the grief that Peter felt that night. The sorrow of understanding in that moment that it it really is the little things that come between us and God, that set us down a wrong path, the choices we make. And yet Jesus is looking at us today and saying, do you love me? Then come to my table. Receive my grace. Know that I love you 
as well. Jesus, we come to this table deeply grateful for your love for us. Lord, we confess to you our sin. Lord, even in this moment of reflection, we, every one of us, every one of us can pull to mind the ways in which, even in the little things, Jesus, we just tend to go back to them. And yet we have to, we must understand, Jesus, at the foot of the cross that this is our sin. We need redemption. We need forgiveness. We thank you, Jesus, that your blood covers my sin. Your body was broken for my sin. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that coming out of this account, we truly, truly see Peter a repentant and new man. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us by your grace, your mercy, and your spirit to find victory over the little things in our lives. Lord, as we take this cup and this bread, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We repent of our sin. We thank you that your blood was shed for me. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services. We look forward to seeing you there.